I was just so grateful I got to go on this trip and to think about how much I have. And you know, it's so true that when you get outside of yourself, you realize that not everybody is as lucky as you. Welcome to the Travel Stories Podcast, where we bring you immersive, inspiring, and international travel stories of freedom and adventure from travelers around the world. Here is your host, Hayden Lee. Hello, and welcome back to the Travel Stories Podcast. First off, I'd like to apologize for the quality of this intro. This is my last week in Brazil with no recording equipment. We'll be back on track with regular quality next week. Right then, so on to today. Religion, spirituality. What is it for you? What is it for everyone? What is it for the world? Regardless of whether you believe in mainstream religion or the, even the notion of a God or spirituality itself, it's easy to see the benefits of spirituality. It's easy to see why people hold it with such high regard in their lives and why some moments can only be described as spiritual. Whether you're living in an ashram in India surrounded by the religion of the place that you're in, whether you're at the top of Kilimanjaro, there are moments where words cannot, simple words cannot describe what you're seeing, what you're doing, what you're experiencing. And that I think is the crossover between experience and spirituality. There are many, many ways to describe it. And our guest today, Marissa Brown, she is originally from Utah in the United States. She is a musician and she plays a lot of different in instruments. She, she likes the uh, world percussion, something I'm very, very interested in as well. It's, it's one of those things that really translates to travel well. We, in this conversation, we talk about how uh, world percussion kind of, how it links in with travel. And I, <laughs> I try and bring up this thing about each place in the world. This is my this is my thinking here. Each place in the world has its own rhythm. If you're in London, there's a rhythm of the city. Everyone moves, moves at a certain pace. Life moves at a certain pace. If you are in Botafogo, Rio de Janeiro, as I am right now, you know that there is a rhythm of the place. There's a rhythm of the way people walk, the way people talk. And that is why I'm so interested in world percussion. Anyway, back to spirituality. With Marissa, she went down, to, well, I'll let her tell you about it, but she went to a place where religion and spirituality are so, they're not, well, they're big there at the moment, but it's more the history of religion and spirituality there. Now, as I said before, whether or not you agree with, with religion, with the notion of a God, you can certainly, certainly respect these views in the way that, in the way that they come into your own brain. I'm, just, I'm certain you have those moments where, you, where you can't describe it anymore and you you your words completely fail you like mine do so often anyway i'd also like to thank everyone for watching the live streams of hayden's travel journal we have another couple of those and then we've got something really really fun on the on every thursday of every week which you guys are going to love and i'm going to love doing and everyone's going to love it it's going to be fantastic and again if you want to get your questions in for the end of season q and a you can email hayden at travelstoriespodcast.com i do answer everything or head to travelstoriespodcast.com slash ask 
head on over to Facebook, check it out. You know all the details, they're all in the show notes written by our lovely writer, Nicole. So get on over there. So on to today, you are listening to the Travel Stories Podcast, and this is Marissa Brown. Marissa, how are you going? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm really, really well, thanks. In fact, I say that we were talking just beforehand, and you asked me, that you asked me this before, and I said, I'm really well. And then I changed that. I'm, I'm okay, which is weird for me. I'm normally, I sit between awesome and really well, um, but I, yeah. at the moment, I'm kind of, no, nah, I'm more than okay. I'm good, but there's a lot of stuff to do before Brazil, you know? Right. <laughs> and you know what? It's okay to not be 100% all the time. I love it. Some philosophy already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's about a minute in. I love that. <laughs> so whereabouts in the world are you right now? Um, right now, I am in Utah. I just got back from Colorado. Uh, was taking a tour out there of a school that I was thinking of going to for my master's. It's gorgeous out there in Colorado. Nice. And yeah. We have a lot of uh, previous guests and a lot of listeners, actually, from Colorado. Seems yeah, like that's nice what place. I was hearing. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a really, really cool place. I must, must go there. Yes, absolutely. So, so you said you were um, thinking of doing your master's there. It's uh, music you study, right? Yes, awesome. that's right. Awesome, awesome. And so, um, so me and Marissa were talking just before this call, and she studies music and is a big fan of percussion and uh, world percussion, kind of uh, more specifically. And so, and I find that amazing because percussion is one of those things, I'm, as you know, I'm a musician myself, and percussion is one of those things that people think, ah, oh, anyone can do that, just hold a beat, but there's a <laughs> lot more to it. Marissa, how would you describe kind of world percussion to people? Because people think percussion, they think drums. People think world percussion, they think, you know, djembe. <laughs> so yeah. how, would you, how would you describe it? And what do, you, what do you really love about specifically world percussion? What I love about world percussion is it seems to all kind of be the same for from any type of culture, any type of ethnicity that you come from, because it is the rhythm that brings the group together. And so in studying all the different types of different percussion cultures and music cultures, so often there is always like a drum and the drum is either like bringing the people to war or bringing the people together or, you know, a rain dance or, or anything, but it's something that always brings the people together, which I find fascinating. And drumming is something that can be heard about above anything else. And, um, it, it always instills the beat of your heart, which is why I think it has prevailed and why the world started so long ago with all these different types of drums uh, that we still see today. Mm, amazing answer. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe a bit off, bit more than you wanted to chew, but... No, no, absolutely love it. That's what I go for. Love it. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. It's like, it's kind of like drumming is... So we're all living this life to a certain tempo, you could say. So we've all got that underlying thing that keeps us moving forward, that keeps us beating on. And drums, when you think of the band as an analogy to maybe life or people, uh, maybe a society, the drum beat would be the tempo of that society, would be the culture. <laughs> 
culture in that society. And I guess if you change that drumbeat, even ever so slightly, or you up the tempo, it can change that entire culture and that entire society. Am I going too far with this metaphor? No, I think that's great. <laughs> because if, if you have a slow, if you have a slow tempo, maybe it's more of a lullaby or um, maybe you're cooking. Um, a medium tempo can be like a work song in the fields or um, playing with your friends. And then a fast tempo can mean like war or, you know, there's just all different types of possibilities. It all hinges on the tempo and the beat and the rhythm. That's totally true. And when I think about other cultures and societies and the, the drumming that's kind of specific to their to their society, when you think of places like Cuba and their drumbeat, you know, it's real yeah. upbeat. It's got that kind of the weird mixture of 4-4 four, four and 3-4 with the with the upbeat on the snare, you know, it's real, it's got it. And it's so Cuba, you know. I, I oh, yeah. Know. Do you reckon that's um, because it comes from there, we associate that with, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm picking Cuba out of a hat, but with that place because the drumbeat was from there? Or do you reckon that the drumbeat is like that? because the place is like that which do you reckon it is Ooh, see we're getting pretty nerdy here but um, <laughs> i'm loving it i hmm i would probably say the first one the that you can identify a culture by the music hmm. yeah. but i don't know i could swing i could swing either way i could yeah. see either one yeah yeah i don't know i kind of I would love to think it's the it's the second one. Like the the beat was kind of born from the from the culture. I'd love yeah. to I'd love to believe that, you know. You know, um, let's let's go with that one. I like that. <laughs> okay, cool. We have said it here. We said it here and now that is how it is. <laughs> All right, brilliant. So you're a musician. Where does travel fit into this? I know that as as musicians we I'm putting myself in this category as well. As musicians we do travel a lot and I've been on many tours of this country, of Australia and everything like that, but it, there's a certain there's a certain style of travel. Touring is travel, but there's something very different about it. It's quite regimented, and you know where you're going to be when, and there's not much chance for adventure. So when did right. when did travel come into this for you? Well, um, I think that I've had quite a few travel opportunities as a musician, but like you said, there's not as much time to explore and get a feel for different cultures when when you're working somewhere. And so um, a couple years ago, I actually, I took a break from school for two years and um, I just did some mission service. I did uh, some humanitarian service for my church and that really got kind of a travel bug in me because I was completely immersed in a different culture, in a different um, place and I got to live as a local there. And so basically ever since... Um, since I did a mission for my church, I've been very much a travel bug. And I have been my whole life, but especially more since then. And although I do want to make traveling a type of work in the future as a musician, um, right now I'm just trying to take every weekend, every summer, every break I have to go experience a new place because I feel that the best way to find yourself and to find out who you are is to lose yourself, to, to learn more about the people and the places around you. Mm, 
I totally agree with that. That is often what we see in these interviews is that people say how if you want to go uh, internal, you have to go externally. You have to go and visit, and that's how you learn about yourself. That's something we hear so often. Now, I've got two, two questions. It's kind of the same question, but it's in two parts, right? So... Do you remember what country you were in? You said it was the first country, actually, that you that you went to where you caught the travel bug. Uh, so I've answered my own question there. The second yeah. part of it is, do you remember the the moment, or was there a moment where you realized that's it? I've caught the travel bug in a way. This is this is kind of what I want to invest more time in. Was there a specific moment, or is it just coming back from uh, the first trip, or when was that? Well, when I was applying for um, my mission work, I. Um, the way that the program works that I went through through my church is they select for you. And so I had my passport ready and I was thinking how excited it would be to go out of the country that I currently live in. I live in the United States. Um, but I, I got my mission call, um, to Louisiana in the United States mm -hmm. and Mississippi. So kind of in the in the southern states. And I'm not going to lie to you, Hayden. Like, I was a little bit disappointed at first. I was like, oh, <laughs> I was hoping to go to, like, I don't know, France or Uganda or, you know, the Philippines. Mm -hmm. But once I got there, I realized how different societies and cultures are from what you're used to and even here just in the united states how drastically different um the place that i went was from where i came from oh definitely you see that a lot in the in the bigger nations the u.s and australia if you go from one end to the other like you say even the north and south divide in the u.s it's so drastically different in certain ways and yeah, you know, people think, well, it's the same country, but it's a big place. Oh, it was a different country. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, just kind of being there, and I had I've lived in a few different states, um, but that was just so different, and it just really made me realize there's so much to explore here, just in my own country. Um, but I, of course, I I do want to get out of the country, and I did manage to this summer finally use my passport, which was very exciting for me. So nice. that was probably when I caught the travel bug. Is just um, seeing uh, a different living in a different culture from what I'm used to, even though it was in my own country. Mm, yeah, that is kind of. I think that is where a lot of people uh, catch it, if we're going, uh, again, with the travel bug metaphor, which I do love, it is a travel bug, but I think that's where a lot of people catch it, where they see the different cultures, and especially living in it for an extended period of time, because everyone's been somewhere and stayed in a hotel, but that's not really... Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not really conducive to to that feeling of travel in a way. It's all. I mean, I refer to them uh, not in a bad way. I refer to them as plastic, which, which is like, <laughs> you know, it's like it's kind of a plastic version of wherever you are. And I've got nothing against people who stay in hotels or hotels in general. All right, that's my disclaimer. Anyway, right. so, but um, yeah, no, I know completely what you mean. It's when you're in a place and you're involved in the culture, it's it's kind of a light bulb that goes off and it goes. This is this is so different to where you're from, but this is reality for many, many people. And the reality yeah. that you know and that you have grown up with, that you believe is the reality, 
that is so foreign to someone uh, over there, you know? And right. that's, that's why I think people people see that and they want to follow that and explore more because they realize if they've been to one country and one culture is completely different to their own what are 10 other countries like how different are they to that one and that's where yeah I think and you just want to go more and more oh definitely definitely and that's i guess <laughs> why they call it the travel bug it works yeah there you go <laughs> nice so you've got a story for us today yeah awesome whereabouts did it take place um, so this summer, like I was saying, I finally managed to use my passport, and I went to Mexico, oh, which was super fun. Brilliant. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. And if you could give this story a name, what would you call it? I would call it, mm, let's see, the Mystical Mayans. Ooh, nice. Ooh, I like <laughs> spicy. it. Spicy. <laughs> Extremely. <laughs> I'm really excited for this one. Radio. You're listening to the Travel Stories Podcast, and this is Marissa Brown with The Mystical Mayans. So my journey in Mexico starts deep in the jungle. We went down to the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, which is in South America, if you're not familiar. And... We got a tour of uh, some of the different pyramid sites. So kind of where we were exploring is called the Egypt of the Americas because of so many different pyramids and ruins that are still there. So like I said, we started deep in the jungle and I was just completely mystified because as we're driving along, there are some bridges, like, across the telephone... Well, they're probably not telephone poles there. But there are bridges across the poles that are way up high. They're kind of like little bridges that your car drives under. And I was like, oh, what is that? Is that a telephone pole? What is that? And our tour guide, his name was Mosiah, and he said, uh, no, those are for the monkeys to run across. And... <laughs> Something so simple, probably to those people, just kind of blew my mind, like, oh, like you have bridges for your monkeys to run across, whereas, I don't know, where I'm from, we have telephone poles, maybe you see birds on them sometimes, but, so that was pretty cool, and that was kind of my first moment where I was like, I am in a different world from what I'm used to, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I actually did see a monkey run across one of the bridges, and I about wet myself with excitement. I was so excited to see a monkey. So, that was pretty cool. We rode in the van to go see some of these sites for a couple of hours. Um, there's a lot of different sites that you can go to down here in the Mesoamericas and the Yucatan Peninsula. Um, so there's a lot of different options, but our tour guide wanted us to have a very intimate and good experience and so we did end up going to one of the sites that is heavily populated and um, frequently visited and touristed and that first site was Chichen Itza. The first time I heard it I thought um, our tour guide said chicken pizza and I was like oh great I'm hungry so that sounds good but um, no we were going to Chichen Itza. Chichen Itza is, I heard it's the eighth wonder of the world, 
correct me if I'm wrong on that, um, but it is one of the, like, biggest and largest Maya cities, and it is still very intact, which is why I think people go to visit it a lot. It was really cool to look around there, but, um, like I said, it was a little bit touristy, a little bit populated. Something that really stood out to me when we went to visit was all the locals were there um, selling things that they have made, their crafts and um, pottery and all sorts of things. And a lot of the tourists, you know, weren't paying attention, saying, no, thank you, no, thank you, no gracias. Um, some of the tourists would buy things, but I was just kind of watching and putting myself in their shoes. What would it be like to have my whole life revolve around making this craft and then trying to sell it to these tourists? Same thing when we kind of got into the site um, down in Cozumel. There was just a bunch of locals that were trying to sell us their crafts and um, share their talents and it just made me really grateful for um, all that I have and that I don't have to work in the same spot every day that I'm able to see so much of the world around me. Um, so I did end up buying a few uh, little trinkets and knickknacks, if you will, to help support the locals. I know that that's how they make some of their work. As for the site, it was incredible. There is a huge temple that you can go see still very intact. I went on a, on a tour guide with um, mosiahtours.com. It was excellent. It is a tour company that is actually owned by my church. And so to have this man named Mosiah, who is actually a mine himself, and he grew up down there. He's a local. He knows his stuff. He's not just some person that studied about it and goes to give tours, but it was really neat to have his perspective of his people, essentially. You know, he was telling us his history and his family stories. He wasn't just telling us, oh, these people did this and that, and it was really cool to get a local, a local's perspective. So I definitely recommend when you do go somewhere, if you can, to get the local's perspective. Mosiah told us all about, you know, we hear very much about the sacrificial traditions of the Mayan Aztec people. I mean, if we go way back in history, um, especially like in the Bible, we read about how people made sacrifices to God um, to thank him for all that he did give to the people. You know, nowadays, maybe we sacrifice our time. We don't necessarily sacrifice things or animals or people, but um, to those people at that time, it was how they praised God. And in my opinion, and in our tour guide's opinion, we, we believe that like these Mayan, these Aztec people did get carried away with the sacrificing and the worshiping and that it, it led to a downfall of their people. So it was very interesting to see, you know, all these temples and 
the courtyard where they would play sports and whoever lose would lose the game would be oh maybe it's whoever won the game would be sacrificed to the gods now i can't quite remember but um that was what that was what their world revolved around and i'm just like wow i'm really grateful that i don't live in that time period because that's kind of scary to me so like i said chichen itza is still very intact very populated um with tourists and lots of people go there now the next site that we went is probably my favorite time of the whole trip and my siblings and my my parents were with us and i remember when we were first getting into cozumel and um we saw you know some groups that were going to swim with dolphins and going to go snorkeling or pick coconuts or whatever and my family had chosen to go on this tour and at first my siblings were kind of like oh we kind of want to go swim with dolphins that sounds funner but by the end of this tour and by the end of this second site which i'm about to tell you we were all just our lives and our eyes were so much more open and i've got to say that it was much better than swimming with dolphins although that is still something i would love to do i think that'd be really fun but i think there is no price you can put on educating yourself and experiencing firsthand and seeing somewhere that people used to live and and just walking in their footsteps a little bit and getting a little taste of what their life was like so the climax for my trip was the second site that we went to and Mosiah told us he you know he's a local like I said and he said now this site that I'm going to take you to is not very populated with tourists it is um to me a secret gem of the Yucatan Peninsula down here and the second site that we went to now the secret's going to be out because everyone's going to want to go there just kidding but the second site we went to is called Ek Balam this site was it had a i can't i can't quite describe it but there was a feeling there um that was very different to chichen itza and i felt very in tune with god at this at the second site at ekbalam we saw the temple that they had built there and we were actually able to climb up this temple the one in chichen itza like i said it's so touristy and still amazing but you can't really touch anything or look at anything whereas in Ekbalam we got to climb to the top of this this temple this ruin and it was incredible we climbed i think it was i think it was a thousand steps or something so it wasn't that high but um but it was high enough that i could look over the jungle and i was just amazed that people can even find these these ruins and these sites and there's no doubt in my mind that um there has to be some divine inspiration to find these sites because they are so buried in the jungle you can't even see over a lot of these pyramids but this this one had been cleared and I was just looking out into the jungle and um I was wondering how how these people survived. I know that they lived at at these sites for a period of time 
and then would possibly move on to another location. And they do have water sources there, they have food, they have everything they need, but um, I think the goal for them was to build these temples and kind of once they had finished, they felt like they needed to move on and build another one. And so I loved, I loved being at this site because there was, like I said, there was definitely a different feeling there. And there was um, a lot of statues still in place and some rooms in this temple that we got to see that were very sacred rooms. One that looked like a celestial worshiping room where there were carvings of angels and um, carvings of what we believe, they, who they thought Jesus Christ would be. And I mean, there was so much symbolism that I can't even talk about it all here. You just have to go experience it for yourself. But our tour guide was showing us all these different um, symbols and carvings and just things that I that are still applicable to the time that we live in today, such as like marriage altars and um, baptismal fonts. And it was just so neat to me that these people who lived on a complete completely different continent from um, Jerusalem, these people, they believed in God, they believed that Jesus Christ would come, and they knew about him, and they they worshipped him, and, um, you know, like I said, maybe some of them got carried away, but this temple site was very sacred and surreal to me. I don't think that I'll ever quite forget the feeling that was there. It was very sacred and special and it was very interesting to get the locals perspective from our tour guide of what these people that this might have been a peaceful group of people and maybe that's why the feeling there was different so that for me was the highlight of my tour is visiting Ekbalam and after that we got to go eat at a local restaurant which was <laughs> very interesting and um, I loved it there's there's a lot of places in Cozumel and like restaurants to go eat at but we were deep in the jungle honey there was no such thing of that around so we got to go eat at like a little local um, it was kind of a buffet style if you live in the US I don't know it kind of reminded me of like Sizzler but um, definitely a buffet style of just a lot of different types of food. And I have to tell you that I tried every single type of food because I thought, well, when else am I <laughs> going to get the opportunity? So there were some things that I maybe didn't like as well as others. But for the most part, I was like, this is awesome. I'm getting authentic, local, legit Mexican food, which I very much enjoyed. At that little restaurant, there were also some some dancers who were dancing around carrying um, these big pottery bowls on their heads and they were spinning them really fast and dancing while they did it and again I was just I had the thought of this is their job like this is what they do for a living and this is probably all they do all day all day long this is how they support their families so um, you know I definitely gave a, gave some tips but 
I was just so grateful I got to go on this trip and to think about how much I have and you know it's so true that when you get outside of yourself you realize that not everybody is as lucky as you and some people may not even see the other side of town so I love seeing not only what the current people of Mexico the the lifestyle that they live, but also thinking about the lifestyle that these native people so long ago lived and how they supported themselves and how they worshiped and sacrificed and how they moved from place to place, but definitely left their mark on the land for us to find today. So it was so interesting and I love to to get outside and explore and to learn more about the world that's around us because I truly feel that there is something so much greater than ourselves. That was Marissa Brown with Mystical Mayans. Marissa, thank you so much for that story. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> that was really great. I enjoyed that a lot. Now, I haven't been to Mexico myself, and I've heard a lot about Mayan ruins and everything like that, and it really sounds like I should go. You really should. I think it's an experience that everyone needs to have, for sure. All right, I'll stick it on the list. I'll put it on the to-do list. It's right there. It's right <laughs> there. <laughs> so you said in the, I think it was the second site that you visited, the the main site, um, <clears throat> you said about the the symbolism that was there and, and everything that that was going on there gave you, gave you this feeling, this kind of overwhelming feeling. And um, I love the way you described it, but what I want to know is how did this feeling go on to then then change you? If it did, how, how do you, is there a certain way you act differently now? Or do you think about that feeling and then change how you do things? How does it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, for me, that feeling was, I mean, some may say, you know, good energy or positive vibes, but for me, it was a connection to God, a connection to something greater than myself. And so, you know, going forth from this experience, just having such kind of a spiritual awakening, um, it's just made me more, it's changed my perspective a little bit. I would say that I look at people and things a little bit differently and wonder, you know, what I can do better in my life to to worship God or pay tribute to all that he's given me, you know, this beautiful world. And so I think that it's just given me a different perspective and um, definitely made me want to increase my my spirituality and find more ways to do that. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think it is, I think it's also kind of applicable to, uh, to non-believers in the way that I mean the the thing bigger than ourselves. I think if you were if you were a non-believer, it would be because I think you do have those uh, those moments sometimes where where it's um, where we realize that 
we're stuck in our lives and we're doing our day-to-day things and everything is kind of revolving around us, you know? It's everything we know is all around us. But like you say, mm-hmm. when you realize that, <laughs> that the end of the world doesn't stop at you, there is something bigger than ourselves, whether if you're religious, that's God, or whether you're, if you're not, then that's the universe or, you know, fill in the blank. It doesn't... Uh, right. I think that is an important thing to to realize because we can get bogged down and this is us, this is what's happening to me and I'm doing this, but we're all part of a big thing regardless of, of I think, what it is or what it can, can be called. I think we're all part of this big thing, you know? Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really important to to kind of realize, you know? But um, anyway, I've got a bit of a question, right, about the story. You always have questions. <laughs> That's what I do. That's what I do. It's kind of my job. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, let's hear it. All right. Now, this is, a, this is a great question, if I do say so myself. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but why do you think seeing historical sites and local cultures, you know, that are far beyond the reaches of, of tourism, why do you think that that is better than swimming with dolphins? <laughs> oh, I love this question. Um... Well, I think that I I think that there are different levels of happiness. So <clears throat> So for me, um I can be happy, but I can also be like 100% happy. So in my life there are things that kind of bring me temporary happiness like chocolate or a good movie or um you know, playing with my dog or I don't know, what have you. But there are things that make me happier and that last longer than chocolate, such as, you know, finding out who I am, connecting with my spirituality, things that last longer than a fleeting moment. And so for me, swimming with dolphins is kind of one of those temporary happiness things that it's like, Oh, it's so fun while it happens. Maybe I have a picture to remember it. That's cool. But for me, a lasting happiness and like a true um, traveling experience moment would be something like experiencing a culture or seeing a historical site because that brings such a longer impact in my life than something trivial like picking a coconut which is still fun and still great, but there's a different level of happiness that I get from learning and educating myself. And to me, that is something that can last a lifetime. Oh, 100%, 100%. And do you think that, do you think that these, that these experiences, these experiences that give you, like you say, happiness that can last a lifetime, do you think that they can be accessed without risk in a way? I was talking I was talking about this with another guy and we were talking about the fact that I think the the risk that you take or not so much risk but the going out of the norm, the amount of that that you take, the uh the what's the word? I'm going to try and think of my word here. Um not prevalence, that's a weird word. Um <laughs> ah, there we go. The more you're likely to to experience these moments that give you happiness, I think, like, you have to go out of your comfort zone. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I think that... <clears throat> I think that no growth happens in the comfort zone. Personally, if you want to grow, 
you definitely have to get outside the comfort zone. But I do, I do feel it's risk-free. I feel like a lot of experiences that you can get outside your comfort zone and that you can have a lasting experience are things that you can do right around you. They can happen right outside your front door. But you have to put in the effort to make it happen, um, whereas maybe something that is a little more trivial is planned for you. Mm, yes, I like that way of thinking about it. I like that. Something trivial is kind of planned for you. I'm going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's something I was thinking about the other day, actually. Like, I was thinking I'm, not, I'm an optimist, right? I'm, I'm a real big optimist. But then I realized it's not that I'm an optimist. Like, yeah, everything will turn out fine. You know, everything, I'll have these awesome experiences and I'll be great. I don't think that's the whole story. I think it also goes into, what was the phrase I used? Um... I cannot remember, but I think it goes into making the things happen and kind of still being an optimist, like an opportunistic optimist, if you will. Do you know Ooh, what I mean? So it's like I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> I love it. So it's like you you do all the steps that can that can help you uh, you know attain these great things and have these great experiences, and you're optimistic about them. You know they're they're. They're two different things. You can do all the steps and still be pessimistic about it, or you can do none of the steps and be optimistic. But I don't think either of those things are conducive to the thing happening. But I think being optimistic, having a good mindset about it happening and looking forward to stuff, and then also making it happen as much as you can, I reckon mm -hmm. that's the way to go. Opportunistic optimist. I like it. <laughs> Dot com. Dot com. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sweet. Perfect. Awesome. Well, is there anything you'd like to um, you'd like the listeners to go and check out? I know you've got a YouTube channel that I've been checking out a few videos today. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan. Is there anything you'd like oh, to well, leave thanks. a listen? Yeah, like I said, I'm still trying to get into it. So um, I would love some feedback and some comments and whatever. But my YouTube channel is Marissa Moments. And like I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, it's just kind of all of my moments, all my experiences um, that just make up my life. And so, yeah, I love I love making videos and documenting things. Um, I also have a blog, which is called moremarissamoments.blogspot.com. <laughs> love it. Ha ha ha. And then, um, you know, if people want to find me on Facebook or whatever, I love connecting um you know I'm really trying to find ways and opportunities that I can kind of mold my love for traveling and my love for music together so if any of the listeners out there have any suggestions or recommendations I would love um, a message or a comment or anything that can help me on my journey to becoming um not only a you know traveling musician but a better person Nice. I love the way all of your sentences end like the end of a story. You know, it's <laughs> it's seamless. I love it. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I do have an idea about the uh, traveling musician. It's an idea that I've been kicking around for, I don't know, all of my life. But it's that... So imagine... So you're a multi... I can't say this word. You're a multi-instrumentalist like myself. Yeah. And... I think I've always had this plan of going to each different 
uh, maybe not every country, but the main musical cultures, and then either doing a track or a full album or something like that in that style. So go to Cuba and do a salsa song. Go to, you know, uh, I don't know, Italy and do... What would I do in Italy? Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's so much to choose from. But yeah, that type of thing. Go to Norway and do a black metal song, you know, <laughs> and just get it all on the one, all on the one record. All these different styles recorded in all these different countries. What do you think? That is brilliant. <laughs> I think we should start a band. Oh well, of course. <laughs> get Cody involved. Cody, our composer. Oh yeah. Yes. Let's do it. Well, Let's just can, go everywhere. Uh, You'll be on the uh, on the percussion. Cody will be on the piano, the keyboards, everything else, and I'll just kind of I'll be there. I'll play the guitar. You know, it'll be kind of cool. There you we'll go. That. Yeah. Awesome. This is the plan. I do have also. Um, I have a GoFundMe right now for my um, trip to Africa that I'm making this December. So if anyone would like to donate, um, that would be awesome. I can send you the link, but it's uh, the title of it is Marissa in Ghana. And I'm going there for a few weeks to teach English in the schools and um, also receive a few music lessons and to just uh, live as a local in Ghana for a little while. Awesome. That sounds so great. So what we'll do is we'll set up all of the links in the show notes. You guys can go see them at TravelStoriesPodcast.com. And also, after you come back from your Ghana trip, you should definitely come back on here because I'm sure you'll have more than a story or two from that trip. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked. Well, it was lovely talking to you today. Well, thank you, Hayden. It was great. I loved learning from you as well. Awesome. All right. Well, you have yourself a nice day. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. There's a different level of happiness that I get from learning and educating myself. And to me, that is something that can last a lifetime. Thanks for listening to the Travel Stories podcast. Get in touch with Hayden on Twitter at Travel Stories UK or online at TravelStoriesPodcast.com where you can find all of the show notes and resources. Subscribe to the show to join us next time for another immersive, inspiring and international travel story on the Travel Stories podcast.